Joe Sacco was pretty influential to me. When I read Gorzad, I cried. It was just like very touching and um, very sad. And I hadn't had that experience with comics. I mean, I read a lot of comics as a kid. Um, I read a lot of like Mad Magazine and all those things. Um, I feel like I read them so closely that like I can actually just visualize like the pages in my head because you just pour over stuff, you know, as a kid in a way that you don't later. And I just remember when I was first making comics, it just felt really powerful. It's kind of like that feeling when you first start writing a bike. You can see yourself literally doing whatever you want to do. I mean, all you need is like a pen and a paper and a Xerox machine. You're listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. Interference Archive is a social space exhibition venue, and OpenStax archive of social movement materials. Our work is rooted in the belief that our shared histories should be held in common and accessible to all. Our Comics Ourselves, Interference Archive's latest exhibition, presents the graphic stories that describe the complexity and diversity of our collective experience and examines the social and historical context within which they emerge. Our Comics Ourselves is organized by Jan Descartes, Ethan Heitner, and Monica McKelvey-Johnson. I'm Jan Descartes. Um, I'm a co-organizer of Our Comics Ourselves. Um, I'm at Interference Archive, and I do a comic. Um, hey, I'm Elvis B., and I have some comics here, and I make a comic called The Homos in Herstory, um, and also organize the NYC Feminist Eden Fest. I'm Louise Barry. I sat down with curator Jan Descartes and zine artist Elvis B. for a conversation about their work in comics. Jan, can you talk about the process of curating the exhibition and working with the other curators? It started as like there's four curators and one person moved, so then there were three. <laughs> so we kind of started a process of trying to find a fourth again. Um, and through that process of like talking to people, we kind of realized it wasn't like a really positive addition would actually just be people's own opinions and perspectives. And instead of looking for like that one person that could, you know, yeah. yeah, Give a lot. Having like many people, as many as possible would really um, flesh out the show in a really beautiful way. Like when we invited people, we'd, you know, ask them like in various ways, like how they wanted to contribute. um, just based on time, you know, like do they want to do an event or, you know, be part of the catalog or like submit material. Um, just knowing that there was like so many ways to be a part of the show. Um, and again, that continues because now like expanding again to the Tumblr. Um, one, one thing that I really love about this exhibition is the, the way that the quotes from the artists are used to organize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that just relates so perfectly to the theme of identity and like the autobiographical side of the zines. That was also a conversation just talking about you know, the different sections of the show. And it would be like, these are the queer comics, the <laughs> feminist comics, the prison comics. But then when we were just talking about it, in each section there was something that uh, one of our contributors you know, had contributed. And whenever, when each person contributed something, they would write something about it. And we just, through like just talking about it and talking about like how we are um, creating these sections, it just seemed like, such a nice idea in like referencing comics to use the quotes that people had said mm-hmm. um, kind of like as a way to identify the category but in kind of like this 
kind of like a more loose way. Um, yeah, I just want to say I feel like the um, there's like a nice energy that like has been generated just from the beginning of like you contacting me about the show is really cute. Like there was like a you know high level of excitement like hey we think your stuff is awesome and I don't know it just really um, I haven't felt that that much from like the comics general world of people like not specifically. So I feel like um, whatever the kind of magic viewpoint of the show you know, like the appreciation for like really DIY stuff is really cool. And, um, yeah, it was just felt that loud and clear. Like I was like, bing, like this is people who, you know, <laughs> are on the same page about this stuff. Ah, and you know, you really see that, um, in the show, it's like got, you know, just all this, you know, different perspectives and like really happy, inclusive energies. Elvis, could you talk a little bit about homos and herstory? Um, Homos and Herstory is um, a comic zine that I've been working on for a few years now. Um, I'm trying to slowly complete the decades. Um, each issue of the zine is like um, covers a different decade, so it's kind of uh, like a little window into like what are queers doing in the 1970s. <laughs> What are they doing in the 20s? I don't know. <laughs> Let's go find out. Uh, so, yeah, I've done them in a totally not linear way. So I started with the 70s, and then I bounced back to the 50s, I did the 80s. So I'm kind of bouncing around the decades. Um, but, yeah, it's been really fun, and I've been lucky to, like, take it on the road to, like, different um, high schools and colleges and kind of use it as, like, a little, you know, sort of fun, like, educational tool. It's not really a tool, but, you know, it's, um, like, just this little thing. You can be like, hey, you know, what do you guys think of all this? Like, did you learn about any of this so far in your education? And um, pretty much, like, 99.99% would be like, no. <laughs> Never heard of queer people doing anything historical ever. It's kind of a hidden history that a lot of people don't know. So how, how do you do the research? I mean, there's been since like the 60s and 70s, like so much research that's been, you know, so much footwork in the archives that's been done by queer historians to kind of uncover some of this stuff, um, especially since I'm focusing on like female assigned people. Um, I mean, in, back in the 60s, it like wasn't even taken seriously that you would study any women at all. So there's a very strong like feminism um, in this type of research. But uh, yeah, I volunteer at the Lesbian History Archives, which is, if people don't know, it's like the world's largest collection of um, lesbo materials, uh, very broadly conceived. Um, <laughs> and it's in Park Slope, and you can just go there and... Um, it's just a great kind of like treasure trove. Um, you can go like open different folders they have and they have like clippings on like lesbian mimes, lesbians in the 50s, lesbians doing whatever. So um, that's kind of a great starting point for me just to kind of get a backstory of like, okay, what is the footwork people have done before? What can I pull from this? Actually, something I really react to in your zines is this, this wonderful spatial quality where it's like very open as opposed to like a lot of text on a page. Mm. And I feel like... It's just like a very open experience. There's just like a very like intimate quality, I feel like in your comics because of like the way you do text and like like the spatial quality. Um, like what's your process of like physically creating your comic? Do you, I, I mean, I think it seems like maybe you sketch it with pencil first and then do you use a brush? I guess this is for just like comic nerds. <laughs> yeah, so first I sketch them out. Um, yeah, it's always, it's been a process of, um, figuring out, like, I feel, I still feel like I don't have the best, like, possible way to create them. Um, for my homos and her stream ones, I still am using Microsoft Word as, like, an integral part of this process, which is a bit odd, I think. Uh, it's really old school. Yeah. So, like, just because there's so much text, like, if I don't lay it out in some way, like, I just get really confused, and I'm like, where would it go? So, um, 
so yeah, I'm basically like, I'm slowly, as I'm researching, I'm collecting little quotes. I'm putting them in a Word document. And then I take another one and I like drop them into little boxes, like a text box. And then sometimes I used to just print out that actual page and draw on top of it, just so like everything would be in another box. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for the drawings, I do sketch them with pencil first. Uh, although I like to just skip that step because I actually hate pencils. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like, um, I had an ex-girlfriend who's like, you're skipping steps here. There's something wrong. It's <laughs> like, damn it. <laughs> Could both of you talk a little about how you understand the relationship between um, an identity, maybe marginalized identity and the creation of comic art? Um, I just think there's a huge difference, at least in my own experience, between what I perceive as sort of like the general comics people and, um, you know, the zine community. Um, to me, people, when they talk about comics, a lot of times will be like, well, mainstream comics are bad. They're not inclusive. They're all about superheroes. And I'm like, yes, but I also see the same thing happening in the indie comics world. <laughs> so that's just something that um, I just feel like a lot of times it's not that people don't want to read about topics that aren't about their own experience, but they just don't have like a level of excitement about them. And that is kind of the stumbling block. I feel like comics create a space to work through um, being marginalized. In the text you wrote for the catalog, you argued that comics are in an inherently radical medium. I think I also talk about the act of reading comics is kind of radical in that your eye can look around the page and it's not this like same experience as reading or watching a movie because when you read, you have to like read one word after the other and you're really tied to what the author wants you to get out of it. And in a movie, it's kind of the same idea. Like you're, you're tied to the pace and the visuals that the filmmaker gives you in the composition. Um, but when I read comics, like this comic over here, I kind of like look at the whole page first. Um, and I, then I kind of like take out what I want to. And I don't always read a lot of text because I get lazy. <laughs> and I think that that's amazing about comics. I mean, it's amazing that I can kind of get the gist of it without reading all the text. And I think it makes it really um, democratic in that way. You've been listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. The archive is collectively run and volunteer powered. If you like what you heard today, consider making a donation to help keep the archive up and running. Just go to interferencearchive.org and click on Donate. From all of us at Audio Interference, thanks for listening. <laughs>